SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhez Omapete on SAFM. Guest is here. He's a corporate animal, but right now he's all about investing in young people using his corporate experience and entrepreneurial skills. He has a special passion for media and technology. His name is Josh Adler, and I'd like for him, please, to tell us more about the work that he does at the Anzisha Prize. It's all yours, Josh. Thank you. Um, so I think I'll start by how I came to this. I, I was a young entrepreneur myself. I, I started a business while I was at university when I was 19. Uh, actually, in the music industry, I, I've spent some time here at the bottom floor, uh, which is another a story for another day. But, a story um, for this day. You're going to tell us what that is all about. Well, I, I started a, a magazine um, for the music industry. I was a, a very average music producer uh, in the late 90s, uh, and it turned out I was actually better at writing about the music industry and helping people access the music industry than being a musician. Uh, so there was this website we created called Music Industry Online, and it helped producers, DJs, uh, musicians, etc., access opportunities, review gear, and it was part of that whole um, emerging, I think, music culture in the late 90s and early 2000s here in South Africa. So, and I built a business around that. Essentially, I sold advertising and ran a magazine, Brilliant. but I was a technologist uh, or a computer scientist by trading, and I turned that into further opportunities over time. Um, I built a successful small business with a friend. Um, I never had to work for anyone until I came to work for African Leadership Academy, actually. <laughs> um, and But I had a lot of support. I had parental support. I, there were programs that supported me that I applied to, and they, they helped us in different ways. And um, having had that experience, I just wanted to give that back to other people. Um, and that's why I came to African Leadership Academy at the end. So um, that was about 10 years ago. Uh, and African Leadership Academy is an organization that identifies, develops, and connects the future leadership of the continent. Mm-hmm. Uh, we identify people when they're about 17 in all spheres. Um, but there's a really important entrepreneurial skill building within leadership development. Um, and I came to participate and help build that side of the work. Uh, and that's what I've been doing ever since. And it's been an absolute blast. Tell us about the work of the Anzisha Prize, because I understand from what you said before we went live, it was initially a program, but now it's almost a standalone entity open, close quote, entity, but essentially a, a program that has developed a life of its own, just about independent of ALA. You know, that's the wonderful thing about institution building. So, you know, you start with an idea. Um, the academy out in Hanidu, uh is essentially uh, a pre-university program of excellence for leadership development. And out of that, we realized we really got to focus on transitions from high school to other forms of entry into the economy, entrepreneurship being Absolutely. one. Uh, not everyone needs to go to university. Not everyone can. Not everyone should. What are these alternative pathways? Entrepreneurship is a huge one, and the Anzisha Prize is essentially trying to respond to that call. How do you look at entrepreneurship at a, as a career? And we're building a pan-African movement around entrepreneurship as a career and involving everybody that needs to be involved in order to make those transitions successful. That includes particularly parents, teachers, and people like investors and policymakers, as well as young people themselves, of course. As one who operates in that space and who's not just challenging the popularly held view that nobody and not everybody has to go to university, perhaps is what I should say, you're in as good a position as anybody else to now give us the reasons why that statement is true, is relevant, 
and is responsive essentially to the opportunities out there, to the talent that is available such that the transition isn't basic education into tertiary education, but basic education grade 12 certificate and more targeted ways into the economy, if not in employment, then in training or some similar developmental space or time being spent, which is not the traditional route of university, precisely because, never mind the barriers to entry in South African universities, but in many instances, the non-practicality thereof, mm. but also the world is changing, mm. and it's challenging the very nature in certain spaces what universities have become. I think this is the question. What are the pathways to the economy? Um, if you look at the research, the platform for transitions to work is actually high school. Um, so few people get to go to university, but we hold it up as this expectation that everybody will or should or, or must go. Um, but it's just not possible. You know, if you take, an, and we're a pan-African institution, if you take a, a, a country like Nigeria, right, only 2% of kids leaving high school, you know, there are only enough university spaces for 2% of those that actually leave high school with a university entrance qualification or from, from high school. That's an insanely low number. 2%. What happens? Yeah. So that means that, you know, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of people who leave high school with good enough grades to get into university, but there are only enough university spots for 2%. It could very 2%. well be a million because Nigeria is sitting at a, a population of 160. Sure. So, so w when you take that view, and South Africa has, uh, you know, a, a, a slightly nuanced view on that same question, mm -hmm. there just aren't enough spots, just in the same way that there aren't enough jobs. I think the major thing we're trying to challenge is that there are these pathways that we've become used to, which is they're stepping stones. You have mm -hmm. to do this before you can do this. In the entrepreneurship world, it's considered you have to have a job bef and have had experience from a job before you might be good enough at starting your own business and giving jobs to other people. As it were, yeah. And we think that's false. What we've essentially proven is that the best people to create jobs for other people are the young people, are young people, because essentially what you do is you create a team of peers. If you were going to start a business today, it's very likely you'd find a bunch of people that are your, quite closely your age mates and create a team. The same thing happens with young people. So the best person to hire a 19-year-old is a 23-year-old, not a 40-year-old. Sure. Um, and that's essentially a big part of our work. So we think that young people should form teams, create ventures, and grow in skill, and then income together. Um, and we think it's going to be a meaningful dent into the economic reality of the continent if people's attitudes towards young entrepreneurs and youth entrepreneurship changes. And that's my hope for the show tonight. I want to change some people's views and opinions about what young people are capable of. I'm going to let you do that. I mean, I've got many follow-up questions. So enticing and inviting the conversation is, more than anything else, very relevant. But I think you will do an infinitely better job in engaging those questions and teasing out the relevant information. Josh Adler, Executive Director of Africa's Premier Entrepreneurship Initiative, and that is the Anzisha Prize. You are going to hear more of and about that after this uh, very short ad break. The time is 2020. After the ad break, it's Josh Adler and guests of his own. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songe Zomapete on SAFM. They don't have the link. Uh,
Good evening, SAFM listeners, and welcome to the Tuesday edition of The Viewpoint. Uh, so on today's takeover, you're going to join me and a few of my friends as we tackle the topic of um, how do we unlock Africa's hidden job, creation, job creators? Uh, by that, we mean young people. Um, so my name is Josh Adler, and I'm the director of what I think is Africa's premier uh, Very Young Entrepreneur Program. Um, and I'm going to be joined today um, by a couple of guests. Um, uh, Hatem Altayeb, uh, who is Dean of African Leadership Academy. Uh, Uzo Ajayakumi, who is the author of Parenting the Boss. And Jesse Forrester, who is a young entrepreneur in Kenya uh, from Mazi Mobility. So um, you're welcome to join us and engage um, in this conversation. You can call us on 011-714-2006 or SMS us on 41391. A reminder that SMSs are charged at 150. And you can send us a voice note on the WhatsApp number 061-4104-107. Um, so I think um, I've got Hatem on hold. Um, hey, hi. Um, that's really exciting. So before um, I start the conversation you had him i just wanted to tell people what i was hoping for from the hour uh, or the half hour um i really want to change how people feel about um very young entrepreneurs i think if in in this short time together we can uh, change some attitudes and even behavior towards young people who have been brave enough to start their own businesses it'll be a really successful time so a little bit of a reminder of what my work is. I run something called the Anzisha Prize, uh, which is trying to encourage entrepreneurship as a career for young people straight out of school and university. And we do that in three ways. The first thing that we do is we influence um, young people to make the choice to pursue entrepreneurship Thank in the you. first place. Um, the second thing that we do is we influence the people that influence them. These are really important, the parents and teachers. We believe that their parents in particular are almost like this hidden blocker to alternative careers today in Africa. And then the third group of people we try to work with are the enablers. We influence the people that can grease the wheels for young people and make their entry into the economy as entrepreneurs easier. And those are investors and policymakers. So that's the day-to-day -day of my work. So my first guest is a polymath, a philosopher, an education pioneer. Uh, he is from Sudan by way of Egypt. And like everyone else in the world, uh, we've been threatening to do a podcast together for some time. So this will be a really good test for us. So please welcome to SAFM and The Viewpoint, Hatem Altayeb, Dean of African Leadership Academy. Hatem, are you there? Good evening. I am. Really love, to, really love you to be on, uh, on the air with you, Josh, finally. Thank you. So I, I wanted to start off with some quick yes-nos to help people understand a little bit about what we do and what you think. Um, love it. The first, so just yes-no to the following. Entrepreneurship cannot be taught. You either have it no. or you don't. Yes or no? No, 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 no. Can be taught. Next mm. one. Entrepreneurship education is a necessary part of any education. Yes or no? Yes. You are happy with how many graduates of African Leadership Academy have become entrepreneurs. Yes or no? <laughs> I feel like this is a trap. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. I'm going to say no. <laughs> uh, Songezo, the host of the show, will get an invite to talk to students at ALA this year. Yes or no? Yes. 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 <laughs> it's on the way. It's on the way. I was listening to the pre the pre conversation. And, uh, uh, you I feel I didn't know before you guys called. Uh, you feel <laughs> I didn't prepare you for the questions on live radio tonight. Yes or no? <laughs> uh, yes. Yes. 
So, um, so Hadam, could you just tell us a little bit about African Leadership Academy? And I think bearing in mind that we're in a South African audience and maybe, yeah. you, you know, I think it's a real opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. So African Leadership Academy was founded uh, on a simple premise, which is that leadership potential is evenly distributed across all young people, but the opportunities to translate potential into impact are not. We opened our campus in 2008 with a vision to identify, develop, and connect the next generation of ethical and effective Pan-African leaders who would work together to solve the most pressing problems for the continent and achieve lasting peace and shared prosperity. The way we do that is through a two-year residential pre-university program based right here in Johannesburg. Anyone from anywhere in the world can apply. Our applications come from across the African continent. People between the ages of 16 and 19 are all eligible. You can apply in four different languages. If you're admitted, you'll get enough financial assistance to attend. And all that we ask you to do is to commit your career. Once you graduate from ALA and go on to do the things that you want to do, you commit your career to having a meaningful impact on the continent. We've graduated about 1,400 young people. They come from 46 different African nationalities. They are working across sectors and across the planet. Um, but the vast majority of them are, are seeking careers of, of meaningful social impact here in Africa. Um, yeah. so that's what we do, and I'm happy to talk a little bit more about any little piece of that if you'd like. Yeah, we'll dive in. And I, I think what's interesting, what you said, is that it, it, you know, leadership comes with obligation. And the Young Leaders at African Leadership Academy have a commitment to return and do their very best to pursue prosperity for others, um, which I think is important to understand. So we have this book that we've released. It's called Africa's Hidden Job Creators. And, and there are three chapters that focus on secondary education and high school. Why should we focus on entrepreneurship in high schools? And why does yeah. African Leadership Academy have such a big focus on entrepreneurship? Yeah, that's terrific. I mean, we picked secondary education because we think it's where you can have the most meaningful, lasting impact on young people's trajectories. We believe a great deal at African Leadership Academy, you're saying at, Prize, at the NDC Prize, but across the AL group, that trajectory means a lot more than position. If you can intervene... Uh, in the, the formative years of a person's character creation, the way they're, the time that they're building their value system, the time that they're building their habits, and also the time that they're building their vision for themselves and the purpose of kind of career that they want to live, you can really have an impact on the way they live out their life. Mm. Uh, you also, when you're intervening at secondary school, I mean, you're effectively able to have very robust, rich conversations with people about complex topics. Um, and uh, you have people building complex opinions about the way the world works. Hmm. And, and so it's a really ideal situation to have a, a lot of meaningful, lasting conversations with students, but especially to try and inculcate both the habits, the skills, the mindsets, the attitudes that enable success in entrepreneurship as a career, but also, I think, change peop young people's opinions about what careers can look like. Right? That's mm. something that you've, you've been very passionate about, Josh, right? Like, if, you're, if you've spent your whole life in a family where the most successful people are the ones who are celebrated for being doctors or engineers, it takes quite a bit of changing uh, your worldview to say, actually, I'm going to take some big risks. Yeah. I'm going to expect to fail. And but that's going to be fulfilling and I'm going to feel confident about it and I'm going to have the support of a network and a family to do that. So thank you for sharing that. And, and you touched on this issue of mindsets. And I wonder if listeners actually, 
I, you know, people hear about entrepreneurial mindsets all the time. I need an entrepreneurial mindset. My child needs an entrepreneurial mindset. So one, what is that and how can it yeah. best be learned? Oh, that's really great. So, so um, let me take one step back. You know, we're trying to build a high school experience just two years that's going to enable people to have meaningful social impact, to take leadership responsibility because of the privileges that they have. And so we asked ourselves, well, what does it mean uh, to be a leader? And, and what do you need to be successful? And the answer that we've landed on is that the skills that we think of as the skills of quote-unquote entrepreneurship are actually transferable across domains. And what we talk about at ALA is entrepreneurial leadership. Skills, habits, mindsets, attitudes that are extremely effective in entrepreneurship as a discipline that can be translated to the public policy space, to the science space, to the communication space. What we're talking about here is um, how do you break a problem into its component parts? How do you iterate towards solutions in a human-centered kind of way? How do you understand your users? How do you pool together resources, including people? How do you structure a project over time? How do you set clear objectives and measure your results? I think all of this is going to sound familiar to listeners, mm. regardless of what domain they're working in. And so that's the kind of that's the kind of habits, skills, mindsets that we're talking about. And, but but add to it also just some character around yeah. resilience, around creativity, um, around motivation. And then to answer the second part of your question, which is how do you learn these things? Obviously, it's important to have knowledge. It's important to have skills. Right. It's important to have these things explained by an expert coach. But right. in our view, this domain of work is best learned through practice. And I want to stop you on this issue yeah. of practice for a second, yeah. sure. um, and we'll come back to it. So, But just for listeners, uh, my name is Josh Adler, and uh, I'm your Tuesday Takeover guest. Uh, Songhezo is still around if you're worried. He'll be back uh, just before the 9 o'clock news. Uh, but for now, this is my show. Uh, I would love for you to call in. My current guest is Dean Hadamil Tayeb of African Leadership Academy. And just now I'm going to be joined by Uzo Jarakumi, who has authored a book called Parenting the Boss. Uh, and a little later, a very young entrepreneur from Kenya uh, by the name of Jesse Forrester. So please call in um, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, so coming back. Oh, uh, the phone number to call in is zero one one seven one four two thousand and six or you can send a voice note to zero six one four one oh four one oh seven um and make sure they're under one minute please so coming back to you hatim um we talked about learning through practice uh we even wrote a book about this uh can you share a story perhaps as a way to illustrate what it means to learn entrepreneurship through practice oh man um so I, I want to start maybe actually just with a with a personal story. Uh, I had the opportunity in between like the two times that I've worked at AMA uh, to start a business myself, and I had the confidence to do that when I moved back to Egypt because of the encounters that I had on campus with young people taking risks and making things that didn't exist before they decided to make them. And uh, I started a business. We were doing tutoring services, and the, probably the biggest value skill that I took away from that experience um, was was sales. <laughs> it's like a very useful skill that everyone should learn. Uh, and if I hadn't been in the situation of trying to go on a business for myself and calling people, cold calling people to try and get clients, 
I don't think I would have learned that skill. It wouldn't have given me the confidence that I carry in my life now. Seeing young people every day on our campus put in a situation where they're trying to bring a product to market, they're trying to bring something to life, having uncomfortable conversations, sending emails for the first time, calling people out of the blue, uh, is watching them have the lived experience of creating something that did not used to exist before. Right. Uh, and I think that's an extremely empowering, liberating, uh, uh, and powerful learning experience. So I just want to point listeners to one of my hopes for the show is um, we actually have a free online store. I'm not sure if that's a good idea, but everything on it is free. <laughs> and it has books and resources and tools for parents and young people exploring entrepreneurship and teachers. Um, and one of them is a book on how to um, teach entrepreneurship through practice at schools. And I'd encourage you to have a look. Um, it was written by um, some of Hatem's colleagues at African Leadership Academy. Um, so I, I want to sort of round off with you now, Hatem. And um, I think when it comes to educating people of the future w with a view of getting them to enter the economy, do you think we have it all figured out? Do you have it all figured out? <laughs> Absolutely not. No, uh, I mean, I think every... Uh, every generation of educators probably thinks the world is changing too fast, but that's certainly been the experience over the last 10 or 15 years of everyone in education, I think. Um, we, we are trying to take some, some big bets about where we think the world is going and how to best prepare young people for it. But every single year, let alone the last two years of immense tumult, every single year is, is a big, steep learning curve. Um, and yeah, we're, we're excited to hear from other people that can have some thoughts that want to help us do it better. Great. And maybe a, a last question for you. What is one thing you would like South Africans to know about Africa and leadership in Africa? Uh, you have a platform tonight. Hmm. Um, I mean, I, 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 I think that I wish I'd met more South Africans that had had more travel experiences on the continent. Um, I think I, I want South Africans to remember that Africa, quote unquote, is right there uh, and that there are so many um, remarkably rich, valuable experiences, relationships, opportunities um, just on the doorstep. And, yeah, you know, I'd love to see more of that. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, as a reminder, what Dean Hattam said earlier, uh, anyone from South Africa can apply to African Leadership Academy. It's one of the most amazing opportunities for young people in the world, um, particularly those from Africa. You can apply at africanleadershipacademy.org. And as he mentioned, um, whatever financial support you need will be provided if you manage to get through the selection process. So I really hope some listeners uh, take that opportunity tonight. Uh, Dean Hatem El Tayeb, thank you so much for the time, and uh, we wish you well. Thanks very much for having me, Josh, and enjoy the rest of your takeover. Thank you. So you are listening to The Viewpoint, hosted by me. Uh, a reminder of this online store with stuff for free at nzshaprize.org. Uh, everything there is free, and uh, there are books and tools on how to be a young entrepreneur, how to parent young entrepreneurs, how to teach young entrepreneurs, and I really hope you have a look. Um, my next guest is um, Uzo Ajarakumi. Um, I just want to check that she's there. Uzo, are you there? I am here. Hello. Welcome to yeah, my takeover. 
Oh wow, Josh, you're always taking over. <laughs> so for those that, no <laughs> so Uzo is um, a friend and colleague, but she's author of Parenting the Boss, uh, an exceptional book for um, parents across Africa who are thinking about careers for their teenagers. It is not only about entrepreneurship, it's essentially about how to explore career options with your child. Um, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking to her about it now. She is an experienced educator, but she's also the mother of two entrepreneurs. So she knows what she's talking about. Um, so I'm going to do some yes, no questions with you too. Are you ready? Okay. Yes. Shoot. So first, overall, parents in Africa are doing a good job at guiding their children when exploring careers. Yes or no? I would say yes. Great. You have been... Um, sorry, here's the question. You have to have been an entrepreneur to be the parent of someone who's an entrepreneur. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If your child doesn't become a doctor, lawyer, or accountant, you have failed as a parent. True or false? Sure. Absolutely not. You oh, does sting. <laughs> you feel I didn't prepare you for these questions on live radio. True or false? You did not prepare me for these for these questions. Um, that's absolutely true. <laughs> so um, maybe um, you, you know you can introduce a little bit of how you became an expert at parenting um, in in the space, and maybe explain why does it feel so hard right now to be the parent of a teacher? I mean, of a teenager, and thinking about what they might do as a career. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity and good evening to all our listeners. Um, so I'm a parent of two adults. I think it's called adulting that they, they are. They're all over, eight, um, eight, old, eight, old, over 18. And um, it is hard. And I think it's hard because of the world and the environment that we find ourselves in. There's a lot out there um, the way in which I was parented is, is completely different from the way I'm parenting my, my kids. Um, for example, you know, um, I received support from my, my from my father and mother, but it was not the support that I probably give to my, my children today. Um, Decision-making was very much something that I did. Um, I think what I do with my children is create the opportunity for conversation and discussion and lead them through a process of, you know, really helping them to make this, you know, a discovery and understanding how to make decisions that, um, you know, are suitable for them. And sometimes they make good decisions, sometimes they make bad ones. Mm. But it's the opportunity to reflect with them on whatever those decisions might be. And, you know, when I, on my yes-no questions, you said you think parents are doing a good job. Can you give me an example yeah. of, maybe give a, a story or an example of, of a parent's relationship with a child that's really worked out for their career choice? And maybe one where you think that, you know, you, you wish parents would, could do better. So I, I, think, I think number one thing, first and foremost, every parent loves their child and wants their child the best for their child and wants to do everything possible for that child to thrive. Um, and so you have, you know, there are moments where you have parents who sort of chart the life of their child you know, day by day, minute by minute, you know, and this child is going to do, going to do X and they're going to go Y and, you know, um, and that's great. But sometimes I feel that our children can feel stifled where 
they are leading, you know, they're doing all that they they have to do because that's what their parents have, have said they should do. So an example would be, and this is some these are some of the things that in this parent culture that that um, I, we have, uh, parents have talked about. You know, you know what I spent all my life being, a, you know, starting to be a lawyer, and I now sell real estate. Mm. You know, or I, you know, I, I studied you know, 15 years being a doctor, but now I'm a chef. And um, I don't think they think that their parents did the wrong thing. I just think that they feel that they just didn't get the, the proper support that they felt they could to be able to chart the life that they wanted, right. you know, to follow the passion that they had. Uh, because because of that known factor, you know, there's the stereotype and, and mindset that you must go to school. And if you go to school, you must go to university. I mean, if you go to university, you must study doctor, lawyer, accountant, engineer. Anything else is, you know, it's pitiful. Yeah. You won't get it. The next question will be, where is going to get a job? Um, and so I grew up in that mindset. Um, and so when my children were growing up, you know, my daughter, you know, when she was six, said she wanted to be a doctor. I was so grateful. My son said he was going to be an astronaut. Oh, he couldn't be better. You know, and then they can come to a place called African Leadership Academy, and all of a sudden, everything just turns on its head. And yeah. I'm sitting wondering, what on earth uh, am I going to do? Great. I'm but going to come what... back to that, um, okay. you, you know, and, and your journey with your own children. But just for listeners, my name is Josh Adler, uh, and I'm your Tuesday Takeover host. Uh, just to remind us, Ngeza is still around, and he'll be back in a little bit, just before nine. Um, but it's still my show. And I'm currently talking to Uzo Ajarakumi, the author of Parenting the Boss. And we're talking about parenting young entrepreneurs and what that means uh, in an African context. And I think it's a really important conversation. If you'd like to call in and ask us questions, you can do so on 011-714-2006 or send us a voice note to 0614-104-107. And a reminder that those voice notes need to be under one minute. So Uzo, coming back to you, um, I, I... I think let's hone in on the book. Um, you've written this book called Parenting the Boss. Why did you write it? Why was it important? And what's in it? I I basically wrote it because I was terrified um, uh, for the life of my children. I had two children who told me point blank that they didn't want to work for anybody. They wanted to be employers for themselves. And that terrified me. Um, a personal story, um, you know, I, uh, my father went into um, entrepreneurship and, and failed, you know, terribly. And it had a very negative impact on myself and my siblings. Um, I also, you know, tried, you know, as a result of, of this failure, I had to go into um, working myself through school. And it didn't. It it didn't feel like fun. I don't feel. I didn't feel like I had uh, a mentor or support, you know, that could have allowed me to truly understand, you know, that oh, you're actually doing something you like and you're making money from it. It mm. didn't feel like that. Mm. Um, and so finding my children in this in a position where they felt confident and very strongly that this is a career, you know, they want to pursue their passions. Um, my son is is a, is, a, is a recording artist and going into the creative arts of music. 
And he said, fantastic, but I couldn't see how that was going to put money on the table. Yeah. You know, the same thing with my daughter, you know, in terms of journalism and her creative writing. Um, so it, it became an, a, an issue for me to say, well, I need to think a bit more about how I can support them. Great. So this book really came about uh, me reaching out to other parents, you know, parents who, you know, I then found out thought the same thing like me. Um, had lived a, sim- a similar experience like me, but had done something differently. Um, and so the book really speaks to different types of parents and their experiences, either in terms of them choosing a career path and then choosing entrepreneurship and how that experience shaped their lives and how it shapes the way in which they are now managing and you know guiding their children. Um, and so, out, so of this, yeah, out of this book came a course. <laughs> so um, we'll we'll get to that in one second. I I I just have one very short question for you, and then and then we'll definitely help people know where to access the book and the course. Um, is there one thing you would like South African parents to know? Yes, um, I would love South African parents to know that um, we have the most amazing talent within our hands, and if we've raised them well, if we've ta- given them all that they need, the right resources, we've created the right environment. We need to leave our children to thrive. Um, we need to be, you know, partners in in developing the, the, the their realities and developing their passions and developing the careers that they want to be. Um, and the only way in which we're going to do that is if we, you know, work in understanding what it is that they want to do. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. And I, yeah. So, everybody, this was uh, Uzo Jarakumi, author of Parenting the Boss. You can find it at nzishaprize.org. Again, there is a free store. You can, all of our stuff is free, and Uzo is the author of this and a few other things. And Uzo also runs a course. Uh, every couple of weeks, you can sign up um, as a parent and join other parents through a co op based experience where you can share experiences about what it means to explore careers for your children, the decisions you're making, and what you need. Um, and you'd be guided by uh, Uzo Jarakumi, who was on the call with us tonight. So thank you so much for joining my Tuesday Takeover, Uzo. It was great. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So um, my next guest is um, Jesse Forrester. Um, and Jesse's story uh, of entrepreneurship is intertwined with one of the newer things that we've started to do, which is provide funding which I know is a really important topic for anyone out there who's trying to start a business. And Jesse's been quite successful, not only in starting his business, but finding support for it. Uh, Jesse is joining us from Nairobi. Jesse, are you there? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. So, um, so Jesse, I, I, will ad- I need to admit it, Jesse was a student uh, at African Leadership Academy. I know him well. Uh, so this is going to be fun for me. So Jesse, might pop quiz for you uh you can just say which of these you would prefer or whichever one strikes you the most strongly i'm going to start are you ready debt or equity so if you say that again the line is breaking um i'm going to repeat the question i have a pop quiz for you where you just have to say which of these words you would prefer okay debt or equity Debt. The second one, gap year or first year? Say that again. 
Which would you choose, gap year or first year? Gap year. Gap year. Petrol or diesel? Petrol or diesel? Mm, Petrol. That was a trick question for you. For everybody, Jesse's going to tell you about his business, but he's uh, on a warpath against fossil fuels. So I, I was—I thought you were going to say neither, Jesse. But you know, Cape Town or Nairobi? <laughs> I asked I this again as a trick question to Jesse because he was recently in Cape Town uh, raising money uh, with some investors and he loved the city, but I'm glad that he said Nairobi, which is his home, is his favorite. Um, Jesse, will you tell everyone, uh, the listeners out there, a little bit about Mazi and your journey in building it? Thanks, Josh, and thanks to FF for having me on. Um, and yeah, yeah, I, I, I did uh, get the trick question, but you know, petrol is always cleaner than diesel, but what Mazi does is eliminate fully carbon emissions. Um, so Mazi is mobility as a service okay. company, so this basically means to enable mobility to within um, Nairobi, within different places, in urban, urban settings, okay. and assemble and sell electric motorcycles, as well as build and operate the infrastructure in Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, Jesse? I'm sorry to interrupt, but the line quality is not great. So the producers are going to call you back. Um, so just give us a minute and they'll dial you back in, okay? While uh, Jesse is doing that, um, there's some voice notes on the line, um, which I would love to hear. Hi, this is JK from the Western Cape. I think um, we must stop trying to teach uh, Africans, young Africans at least, that we can only solve the needs of people when we are making a profit. I think capitalism has been proven to be a system that is a failure and can't address the needs of people in a sustainable way because of this profit that people are chasing. Thank you. Good evening, this is Yaman. Well, speaking about entrepreneurship, well, I would like to know about something. If do business schools give the right skills uh, for in order for people to start businesses, like prerequisite skills, like financial management, etc., in terms of how the corporate sector works? Because I have a beard honors degree in economics and business sciences education, and what I found out there is that business schools are not re- do not really really teach. What is there in the corporate sector? So I would like to inquire if, if it's, if that is the case, and what, and what is our guests think about that? That business school f- fail to, to bring prerequisite skills that are needed in the corporate sector for people, and what can young people who want to start their own businesses do to, in order to have the skills in either like to have skills of asset management or financial management or supply chains, etc. What what can they do? Thank you for those questions. Um, so I think w- without getting into a huge debate about the merits of capitalism, um, I'll just r- reference an anecdote from schools where we teach. Um, and I, I think I think young people have to learn about profit. And I think they shouldn't be scared of trying to run a venture um, that is profitable. I don't think we must see profit as bad. I think we should see excessive profits as profit as problematic. And young people should be taught to know the difference. 
and navigate that clearly. Um, we certainly try to ensure that all students at African Leadership Academy and the Nzisha Prize seek sustainable enterprises, um, and profit is not evil in, in that regard. Um, in terms of business schools, I think this is a really interesting question. There's research that's been released that you know, people who actually come out of entrepreneurship schools or programs, um, particularly at the postgraduate level, the, the actual entrepreneurship outcomes are quite weak. Most people actually just get further in their existing corporate careers rather than start ventures. I think there is a gap between the hard skills people need to learn to enable them to run a successful business and what is taught in many education settings. And I think that's the big challenge education is meeting right now. Edu some education is irrelevant to the marketplace. We know this. People aren't getting the skills that they need. And I think there are many institutions trying to double down on that challenge. Um, I'm not sure we've solved it yet. So I'm going to come back to Jesse. Jesse, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, that's great. So you were telling us a little bit about Mazi. Um, I think we're going to need to be quite brief with the, the story. But if you could quickly tell people about Mazi. Um, and maybe a little bit about your journey towards raising money as a young person and how easy or difficult that was. So, um, Mazi is an electric mobility company. So, we assemble and sell electric motorcycles as well as build the infrastructure that supports them in Nairobi, Kenya. Um, we've been operational for one year and it's been increasingly challenging, I think, being from the continent and having started on the continent to raise capital um, as a whole, any African founder can tell you that. But I think more, especially being a young entrepreneur without the experience and track record, apparently, that's required to make successful businesses, which I'm, I'm not too sure. And I think it helps, but um, pairing myself with the right people um, around you and the right support systems can really enable you to make really high-quality decisions um, that then lead to businesses at scale. Thank you. Um, and I, I think one of the biggest reasons will transition. Um, thank you for saying that, Jesse. I, I, I want to make sure I get to ask you one or two more questions. So you went to a school that had an entrepreneurship program. Um, what could have been better? If, if you had to say, you, you probably went to one of the best schools for this, but I, I, I wonder if there's something you sure. think would have been a gap. Indeed. Um, so... What I think that's really interesting to me about uh, ALIS program is that you've got student enterprises and you run businesses on campus. Um, I think there's, there's a subset of entrepreneurship that then leverages technology um, as a means to grow, and, and, and that may be something that could be added. So some sort of track. I, I had you talk about how many people don't make it to university and that's a small shops, small businesses. We also have to start thinking about businesses at scale and that's, I think, another sub-segment of what the continent needs, and that could be improved. Um, Great. Yeah. So, Jesse, I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry that this interview has been cut so short, but unfortunately we're out of time. Thank you for joining us tonight, and we wish you a young entrepreneur. Jesse's only 24. I want to make sure listeners are aware. He runs an incredibly <laughs> successful business. Uh, you want to correct me? I'm actually 23, yeah. 23. I got it wrong. I gave him, I added a year. So that's even better. Um, and people like Jesse are, are breaking molds across the continent. So just a reminder of what I hope to do tonight. I wanted to change people's attitudes towards how they think about entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship education, and young entrepreneurs. I hope I've done that a little bit. Um, we're trying to influence all of those people. 
I'd just like to thank Ntabisen, Lasejo, Phineas, Cabello from um, our PR company and Sungezo uh, for giving us this platform tonight. Um, this is really wonderful for us and I hope listeners enjoyed it. Um, back to you. I'll, I'll, I'll be back if you want. I mean, if you ever want to do this again, let us know. We can, we can, we can, we can trade places or whatever you want to do. I'd happily have you back and I'd happily have you engage an even wider variety and pool of talent, young people in particular, more Jessies if you like. And um, young South Africans have sort of walked through the journey of the ALA, the Zisha Prize and what it has been able to do for them. And of course, what we can look forward to in relation to its output into ultimately the economy. And you raised a good point, teaching young people that profit is good, obviously, sustainability, and perhaps guarding them against excessive profits, which in part have given us the world that we now experience. I mean, just look at what happened in COVID. Um, your developed nations just hoarding yeah. your vaccines at the expense of developing nations, pharmaceuticals making a killing out of this. Obviously, it's a what once in a century pandemic, so you want to cash in for all of the shall we say the dry spells we see it even locally with how some of our business people who sought to inflate prices on a triple p on, on what ppe mm. and 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 so the conversation of excessive profits is a conversation on its own in in terms of it being a stumbling block to development in especially markets of the kind that africa has but here's what I do want to challenge you on. I mean, I appreciate the fact that you've invited me and you've now committed mm. to hosting me. But how do we make ALA more accessible? Accessible so that people know about it, accessible so that people can actually enter its space and access an alternative method of accessing ultimately the formal economy. Hang on to that. Hang on to that, perhaps, because we have to answer the call for the news break. It is 21 hours and I got lost in my own head there. We're going to take the news now. Josh is going to reply to that we'll, in a way which will be a valedictory for his time here with us very soon after the news. We're live. We're on SABC's SAFM, the premier talk radio station in the country. Mr. Josh Adler, executive director at the Nzisha Prize, had taken over and what a wonderful show it really was. He tells me it was thoroughly enjoyable, but time flew. And that's exactly what happens when you have fun, Josh. And I'm just going to give you literally one opportunity in two minutes or even less to just quickly give us a recap of the conversation you and I were signing off with because I was really attracted by the conversation and the direction which it took. And I was just minded to engage the question of how do we ensure institutions like the ALA not only are protected, but are actually given the necessary support to be readily available and accessible to the 15 to 22 segment. Young people, I made mention of the fact that in this country the median age is 28, so we are a young population, and, and it's even less, uh, well, it's even sort of younger on the continent. So all these solutions at a political level, at a commercial level, anywhere you go, the conversation has to be predicated on the young person and, and, and how do we ensure that that becomes the rule as opposed to being the exception and how does the work of Nzisha Prize and the ALA speak to that? Thank you. Um, it's been a wonderful evening. Um, I, I think you're reflecting on an opportunity crisis for young people. Um, that's what we're hitting. Um, and I think solving it is certainly not easy, but 
things like African Leadership Academy are exercises in institution building, which we need much more of in Africa. Um, we, you know, if you take what prosperity is going to require, we need strong institutions. And the people who are going to build those are very young entrepreneurs who need to be supported to build, I would say, many copycat institutions. So my challenge to people is, yes, find out about African Leadership Academy. Find out about the NZSHA Prize. But there, every opportunity is limited in its opportunity mm. set. Um, and I think what we need to do is see as many young people as possible creating similar institutions that are going to absorb all this talent as quickly as possible. Um, that's not a an easy answer. Um, I wish it was more comprehensive. Uh, but my dream is that the leaders that our institutions will develop are going to produce the answers rather than hinging bets on a single institution or another single institution to answer all questions. We need proactivity. We need young people to take up arms. Um, and Not do the literally, work of course. No, <laughs> proactive <laughs> arms. Um, absolutely. Fantastic. I appreciate that response. Let's have a conversation, me and you do, a tag team takeover after the break. Mr. Josh Adler is going nowhere. We're going to welcome very soon Professor Lindy Heineken, military sociologist and vice dean of research at Marty's Faculty of Arts and Social Sciences.